Welcome to Judeo-Christian Clarion's series on the sins of our forefathers. We want to go back to the beginning of our faith, before people said, I belong to this faith or that faith. We want to discover how we got to this point, and to do that, we must go through the decades of church history. So we ask that you listen to the whole series, the beginning to the end, and we hope that you will listen with an open mind and determine what is true and what is not. In no way is this series intended to cause anyone to doubt or fall away, but only to open hearts and minds to the truth. We think that you will be amazed at what you are about to learn. Part 8. Councils of Rome and the Papal States There were eight councils held in the eastern part of the Roman Empire, which would be considered the Eastern Orthodox Church, only seven of which were accepted by the Roman Catholic Church. The word Catholic, in Latin Catholicus, meaning universal, was first used by Ignatius of Antioch in his letter to the Smyrnians in 110 Common Era. Because unification was the goal of these first eight councils, Constantine laid the groundwork for the split when he divided the empire into east and west, which went beyond politics, but also included the state-run church. In 1054, the breakup came, and to this day, we have the east versus the west and its influence in politics and religion. But the Catholic Church still believes that it is the universal church, the mother church to all who came after. So let's look at a few of the councils of the West. During the medieval years, also known as the Dark Ages, the Church went through its own dark time, as we will see. Priests. Elders were now called priests. An elder was an ordained person who was below an overseer, or bishop, but was above a deacon. Paul writes in Titus 1, 5 and 6, this, For this reason I left you in Crete, that you would set in order what remains and appoint elders in every city as I directed you. Namely, if any man is beyond reproach, the husband of one wife, having children who believe, not accused of indecent behavior or rebellion. But as time went on, this all changed. The first written mandate requiring elders to be chaste came in A.D. 304. Canon 33 of the Council of Elvira stated that all bishops, presbyters, priests, and deacons, and all other clerics were to abstain completely from their wives and not to have children. In the First Council of Nicaea, Constantine and the bishops addressed the problem of heresies, and argued for a consistent practice of priestly celibacy. This was met with great resistance and contributed to the Great Schism. The practice of priestly celibacy began to spread in the Western Church in the early Middle Ages. In the early 11th century, Pope Benedict VIII responded to the decline in priestly morality by issuing a rule prohibiting the children of priests from inheriting property. Pope Gregory VII attempted to mandate priestly celibacy, 
but the practice was contested widely by Christians in the Orthodox Eastern Mediterranean world. The First Council of the Laturin The First Council of the Laturin was held in the Palace of Laturin in Rome. The Church was not as critical about such matters as the earlier Trinitarian and Christological concerns as in the past, but the Church wanted to rid the secular authorities of interfering with the Church, namely the emperors or kings. Pope Calixtus II resided over this council. This council was trying to take back its power over the church from the state, and one was the discussion of priests marrying. Canon 3 of the council states, Summary Priests, deacons, and subdeacons are forbidden to live with women other than such as were permitted by the Nicene Council. Text we absolutely forbid priests, deacons, and subdeacons to associate with concubines and women, or to live with women other than such as the Nicene Council, Canon 3, for reasons of necessity permitted, namely, the mother, sister, or aunt, or any such person concerning whom no suspicion could arise. By the Second Council of the Laturin in 1139, it was finally compulsory that no clergy could marry, though to this day the Greek Orthodox priests may marry. There were a total of four councils at Laturin, but at the Fourth Council in 1215, there were several anti-Semitic canons which continued the unchristian attitude toward the Jewish people. This council defined the teaching of the Catholic Church on transubstantiation, the doctrine which describes in precise scholastic language the transformation by which the bread and wine offered in the sacrament of the Eucharist becomes the actual blood and body of Christ. We will discuss this in the next episode. The Papal States The Papal States also referred to as the Republic of St. Peter, tells us how Constantine had such an influence in church history, even more so than the Messiah or even the disciples. When Constantine made the church a state church, it was more about power than about salvation. Beginning in the 8th century, the church went from teaching their doctrine to powerful political leaders. From 756 to 1870, the church was in control of central Italy and even parts of France. As early as the 4th century, the popes had acquired a considerable amount of land around Rome. It was called the Patrimony of St. Peter. In the 5th century, with the separation of the East and West, Pope Gregory I had even more influence in central Italy with the Byzantine Empire, and it increased as the people relied on the church for protection against barbarian invaders, like Attila the Hun. Church history is so vast that we cannot discuss all that went on throughout the years. But many popes came and went, and many countries got involved, and even for a time, 
Rome shared its power with France. There was a period from 1378 to 1417 where there were two rival popes, each with his own following, his own sacred college of cardinals, and his own administrative offices, and for a while, there were even three popes. I wonder if all three of them were infallible and took the place of God here on earth. Avignon Papacy The ecumenical councils kept coming. Council of Lyons 1 and 2, and then the church saw great division. From 1305 to 1378, the popes lived in the papal enclave at Avignon, surrounded by province and under the influence of the French kings. This period was known as the Avignese or Babylonian captivity. During this period, the city of Avignon itself was added to the papal states. It remained a papal possession for some 400 years, even after the popes returned to Rome, until it was seized and incorporated into the French state during the French Revolution. Because of the two popes, a council was called in 1409 in Pisa, whereby they appointed a third pope who took the name John XXIII, under pressure from the Emperor Sismond, John convoked. In 1414, the Council of Constance, which deposed him, received the resignation of the Roman Pope Gregory XII and dismissed the claims of the Avignon Pope, Benedict XIII. That series of events opened the way to the election of Martin V in November 1417, whereby the schism ended. In the 15th century, popes, beginning with Martin V, sought to reestablish their control over central Italy. During his time as pope, Martin V, whose real name was Adone Colonna, took the opportunity to increase the Colonna's power and enriched them with vast estates in papal territory. Martin V was involved in the Hundred Year War between France and England. He asserted himself as authority in England and in the Spanish Kingdom, similarly emphasizing the rights of the Church against the Crown, 1503-1513 Common Era. Julius II, who was called the Warrior Pope, expanded the Papal States. Pope Julius actually joined in on many of the war efforts, or should we say, the fight. But by the 16th century, the Papal States were diminished by the Reformation, and one thing led to another, that even economically the Papal government was weakened. This leads us to another interesting fact. Did the Popes play a role in Revelation? Join us next time when we discuss the Roman Empire and the blessings of the Pope.